Welcome to the podcast. I am Shane Barker, your host of Shane Barker's Marketing Madness Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about personal branding and content creation. My guest, Cynthia Johnson, is the CEO of Bell Plus Ivy, a digital marketing and personal branding company based out of Santa Monica, California. She was named one of the top branding experts in 2017 by Entrepreneur Magazine. Mashable also recognized her as one of the top 50 marketers on Snapchat. Listeners, she talks about her interest in branding peaked as she gives valuable tips on how to create a personal brand. Stay tuned to the end to find out what it takes to create epic content. All right, you guys. Hey, thank you for uh, tuning in to Shane Barker's Marketing Mindness Podcast. I have Cynthia Johnson here today. Cynthia, thanks for uh, coming on the show with us. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's great to meet you, sort of a person. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. I know. Yeah. So just everybody knows that we always, this is obviously a podcast, but we do a little video as well. So that's why I'll have to kind of explain as we, you know, as, her, as we interact back and forth, I'm like, oh, what's going on? But so Cynthia, why don't you tell the audience, we always kind of start off with kind of laying down some foundation, the premise, like, where did you grow up? So I grew up in South Florida, and then I went to high school in Las Vegas. In Las Vegas. South Florida, Las Vegas. Huh? So was it military or anything like that? No, warm climates, opportunities, uh, maybe. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so uh, so I was born in California, then Florida, uh, where my grandparents lived. And you know, then my grandparents moved, and I think my family was like, well, we're out of here, too. So I moved to, to uh, Nevada. Awesome. So what did you, and where were you born in California? Simi Valley. Oh, there we go. Not too far. And then you guys are Florida and Las Vegas. And then, so just pretty much wherever the grandparents went, the whole family's like, hey, we got grandma and grandpa leaving, so we got to head out too? Well, actually, my mom's the youngest. And uh, there's, we did a count. There's uh, like, I don't know, 40 first cousins or something on my mom's side. So yeah, there's a lot of us. But my mom specifically, I think, (laughs) wanted to be near her parents. So we got to be the lucky ones. That I got that you guys went all to all the good, the fun locations, so that's awesome. Yeah, and then you said how big you said your family's pretty big, then, right? I mean, you were just saying you have a lot of first cousins, yeah. So, uh, there's about 40 first cousins. I have five brothers and sisters. Uh, uh, one of my close cousins, his wife is pregnant, and that will be the 90th person in the family. So, do you guys, when you guys have family, do you just rent out a whole state or something? Like you just go to Montana and just rent out the whole state for the whole family, or how does that work? Well, uh, yeah, we just, we do need a, a large space and name tags, <laughs> you know, right. not that bad, but, uh, you know, a large space, lots of, uh, planning, some peer pressures involved, you know, whatever it takes to get everybody there. Uh, but we're all pretty, we, we've stayed pretty close over the years and, uh, it's, yeah, it's pretty interesting to see that the multiplying, uh, is fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> you get a depth. Yeah. It's like, it's like everybody has, if one person has two kids and that two kids have two kids, I mean, you get to a point where you're taking over whole states and starting your own religions and stuff like that. That's, but yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, and I've got some cousins that are in YouTube. They're YouTubers, and they've actually taken over quite a bit of land in Texas to do it. So, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, fun. So that's, I mean, it's so funny. So I have a pretty small family, but it's like trying to get like everybody together to hang out is it's always kind of a challenge. Like my wife is the one that usually kind of puts everything together and there's maybe 15 of us or something. So it's no, it's not a crazy number, but I can only imagine if you have 90 people and trying to coordinate that between schedules and traveling and like, where do we have it? And at whose house and who, or, you know, it's not even a house. It's like whose compound or like who's yeah. a lot of land or, I mean, it's, right. yeah, it's not a, that's not a like, hey, let's just go to you know Vegas for wait, two rooms or something. That's like right. takeover areas. Yes, yes. Weddings are huge. <laughs> yeah, no, I can imagine. Man, that's another thing too. God, a wedding. And how do you not invite people? Like, I mean, oh, it's no, like, you invite them. You invite yeah. them. Yeah. And so yeah, you have to. like 500 <laughs> 
So then you can't get a divorce because you're like, I can't get another, you can't marry. No, no, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, I can't do that because I have 500 people that are judging me now. So that's kind of a great And the other, the person that is marrying into the family tends to have, you know, like three people in their family. And so it's just so so overwhelming for the newcomers. They're just like, wait a second. Underrepresented. Like, hmm. So if there was a fight, I don't think we would win. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's good. It's probably good that you don't fight at weddings anyways. But (laughs) so tell us an interesting fact about yourself growing up. Like what is something, I mean, other than you guys have thousands of people in your family, like what's kind of a random fact that maybe nobody would know about? Nothing too personal, but you know, enough to, who knew? Uh, Let's see, I'll throw a couple at you. I I was uh, homeschooled until fourth grade. So that's, that's, you know, that's always interesting. I've uh, driven across country from Florida to California, I think four times before I was 10. Mm. So I've done the cross the cross country uh, trips and uh, let's see, what else do I got going on? I was kind of a tomboy. Uh, Oh, I wanted to be the world's youngest writer. So okay. And uh, my book idea was I was going to write the bios and background stories for people in a jail. So I put all these people in prison and then I wrote all their backgrounds. And I was like, I'm going to be the youngest writer of this book about other people in jail. <laughs> like, yeah. So yeah. that's something I'm like, uh, childhood. There's a. So not that you don't seem tough, but I. I can imagine you going into a jail and doing interviews. I'm sure any inmate would be like, no, this is awesome. I would love to be interviewed by Cynthia for the bio that they're putting in whatever her book is. Cause that's, you know, they don't get to see too yeah. many. I'm sure that would be probably pretty exciting for them on that side. And so you went to, so, you know, it's funny. So you did, and you did it when you were young. So you went Florida to California. Uh-huh. I've actually talked about, I've, I've threatened in the nicest way possible my team that I'm going to go and get an RV, buy an RV. Well, I have an RV, but I want to buy this other RV. And I really want to just travel the U.S. Like my mm-hmm. dad, he was 18. It was like the 60s or something. And I can't go into heavy detail on what they did because it was the 60s and I'm not supposed to tell everybody. He doesn't remember anyway, right? Yeah, I mean, he yeah. Just, he was there. Like, I mean, it's like social media wasn't around. My dad's like, I don't think I was in Maine doing that. And I'm like, no, you were. And I know yeah. you got trouble in Chicago too. But anyway, so you know, it's just interesting. I've talked about doing that, of just going, because I, you know, what I do is I'm, I'm remote. Right? So my old team's remote. So I've got a 34 person team and they're all over the world. And as long as I have internet, right. And last time I checked, yes, you were, that's the way. Oh, internet, yeah. Like I'm kind of thinking about, it. but it's, you were at, you were 10 and you guys were going back and forth. You guys were Florida to California back. Well, I spent a lot of time with my grandparents and my grandfather uh, did just that. He got an RV and went, went all over with my grandmother and his like dogs. Cause you know, they, he was, I guess they had kids in the fifties and the sixties, you know, and like they were pretty young still like they kind of retired early and wanted to see everything. And uh, then I think they, they were like, well, we're not that young where we're going to like, you know, be the sixties, you know, whatever. So they picked me up along the way. They gave us something to do. And so, so yeah, I got to see lots of, of stuff and uh, what an interesting country we live in. Right. But parking it and, it makes the rest of life so much easier if you learn how to do it again, I think. Yeah. <laughs> like how to yeah. survive outdoor in the middle of like nowhere. Yeah, kind of cool. I, I guess I'm, I'm good to do it. I mean, I've talked about it for like the last six months. So we'll know here in the next few months. If, you know, if you see me on the road, then, that's, then I, I'm keeping the dream alive. Yeah. So, okay. So obviously you've done a lot of traveling from Florida to California. You've been all mm-hmm. over the United States with your, with your, uh, your grandparents or your parents or your grandparents, mm-hmm. your grandparents. So that's awesome. So where do you, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, but where do you currently live? You're in, you're in California right now, correct? Yes. Yeah, so I live in, uh, in uh, West Los Angeles, so Marina Del Rey, and then our offices are in Santa Monica. Ah, man, living, yeah. living in, the, in the plush areas. Got to love it down there. <laughs> Near the airport. <laughs> yeah, right. There we go. Oh, by Burbank. <laughs> right. Is it by Burbank? 
Oh, no, by LAX. So I'm in Marina Del Rey. So I'm in between. I live in between the office and the airport. Ah, gotcha, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I always, when I go down to UCLA, I always fly into Burbank. It's just so much easier. It's like I've got my nice little system of get the, ho- you know, get the hotel, whatever, get the yeah. car, go to the hotel and all that fun stuff. So where did you go to college at? Uh, so, okay, so this is kind of interesting. Uh, initially, I went to college at um, a place called American Musical Dramatic Academy, and I studied uh, stunt choreography, phonetics, and uh, acting. Hello. And then, yeah, and then I decided, uh, I graduated there in December of 2007, mm-hmm. right as sort of the economy went oh, crazy. Yeah. And uh, getting into stunt choreography is actually very difficult because you know, you can't just be anybody swinging a broadsword at someone. And yeah. uh, a lot of the agencies were, were kind of shutting down and firing people. So I was like, all right, well, this is clearly might not be a long-term solution for my life. So then I went back to uh, school in like the LA community college scene and studied Mandarin and business and then transferred to Colorado State where I finished. Okay. So you've like given me like nine things I want to talk about right now. Okay. So you're going, to be a, you're going to be a stunt woman, right? So that was one of the things. And how did, is that like in college, they like train you? Like they're like put you in a car and you got to jump out. I mean, like give me some like. Yeah. So I wanted to do like, I wanted to choreograph uh, like ah. scenes. I just thought it was a really interesting uh, way, uh, like an interesting part of movies and, you know, Kill Bill was coming out. And yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Was, yeah. And I, and so yeah, that's, it was part of the, the whole process. Right. And I had done some, like I'd been some, you know, plays and whatever that involved sword fighting and thought that was really interesting. And also just the, the patience and the discipline it takes to get into something like that really, I thought was, was intriguing. And I also, you know, I grew up in, in went to high school in Las Vegas. And so I was also a hypnotist assistant and I worked for Carrot Top and I was involved in a lot of the shows and so were my family. So it just, you know, I was kind of aware of what that lifestyle was. It was like very freeing, you know, to you take jobs as you want and like do your thing. Yeah. <laughs> and so I got into it uh, because of that, for those reasons. And then, yeah, it's just because of the way the unions work. Um, it would have been a very long road and living in Los Angeles, you know, I still had to work. (laughs) So I was getting pretty frustrated at that whole situation. I was like, okay, so I'm basically a professional waiter, uh, (laughs) which is, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, But my goal was to like, you know, create a lifestyle that had some autonomy and freedom. And instead I was waiting around for things all the time. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So, and then you said you worked for Carrot Top as well. So you, you drop these little things like they're yeah. no. You're like, yeah. oh, I was also president of <laughs> for, for two years, and I'm like, yeah. how do you play it? You're acting like that's nothing. So, so let's talk about Carrot Top. So you were what? Like the, the girl that would come on stage with them and do all the fun stuff? No. So I was um, that girl for a hypnotist called uh, ah. named Anthony Cools. I was actually on. So they were managed by the same man, and he was the producer of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies. Hello. So basically, I ended up working on their PR and marketing team. Ah, uh, so I was yeah, and then I managed uh, some of the promotions for Jeff Beecher's Beecher's Madhouse in Miami for Ocean Drive magazine. So I ha- it was like they're all connected; they're all the same people managing the show. So I got involved through the, the hypnotist show, and then kind of expanded into these marketing roles from there. That's crazy. I feel like an hour is not going to be long enough with you, but we're going to try, <laughs> yeah, okay. we're going to try to pull this off. 
So the college thing, so you, so you did the college thing there and then you ended up, did you, I, rumor has you went to Colorado or Colorado State? I went to Colorado State. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So that, I have a good friend of mine that was an NFL player there, Adrian Ross. I don't know if that oh, rings nice. a bell. But during, I think a little earlier than you, but he was went on to the NFL and did some big things and done some, yeah. I've done some stuff with him, but I just, not that like Colorado State's like, you know, nine people in the college or something, but I just didn't know. <laughs> I mean, it feels like it. I was like, <laughs> yeah, no, right. when, when you're in LA or like, you know, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Everybody should know each other. That's cool. So guys, so your journey has been something else. That was my next thing was like, you know, tell us about yourself, your little, your journey that you've taken. So, I mean, what else have you done? I mean, it seems like I, I feel like you're just kind of like the tip of the iceberg on what the things that you've done that even led up to your journey where you're at with the Bell plus Ivy. Like what else have you done? I mean, it sounds like it was kind of heavy in the entertainment industry. Yeah. So, uh, I, well, just because of, you know, being in Las Vegas, right. And that, that really opens location and opportunity. And so, yeah, I worked there. Then I went to Miami and it was Ocean Drive Magazine's launch party. And Paris Hill was on the cover, so that doesn't age me. <laughs> and we threw this massive party and I left there. And because I, you know, I, I originally had gone as before I went to college, like at the acting school. I went to um, a, the like art institute. I was like determined to be an artist. Yeah. And turns out I don't like to draw uh, yeah. at all. And I like had this discussion with the the counselor there and I was like, look, put me anywhere. Just like, I never want to take a drawing class again. Like, so wherever. And she goes, you're at the art Institute. Like, what are you talking about? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, fair. I'm leaving then. And <laughs> so I guess I'll have to go. And so I left there, did the Miami thing. And I came back and I was like, all right, mom, figured it out. going to make good decisions now. And like, I'm going to move to Hollywood <laughs> and study stunt choreography and acting. And she was like, she cried and then it was fine. But yeah, initially it was pretty sad. And so I did that. Then I was wanted to learn another language. I studied Mandarin and started just traveling back and forth to China a bunch because, you know, this is right around when people were, they were encouraging travel to places like Shanghai and Beijing. Yeah. And so the flights were, were terrible, but very inexpensive. And yeah. being there was inexpensive. So I would, you know, take off for a couple weeks at a time and just go to China. And then... My then I decided I was going to open nightclubs in China. This is like this is literally my natural. Like, oh. Of course, you learn learn Mandarin, and now you're going to take over. Yeah. As a, I get it. Yeah, so I was like, all right, this is this is probably going to be a big deal. So I came back, and I there was a uh, company in Los Angeles that was uh, doing live streaming, and live streaming tied with you know just in general travel and all that. So this could be something. And it said it was focused in Asian markets. So I, t- I went, I took this internship and they were a Japanese company, not a Chinese company. So, and it was on the internet. And I, I at that point was decided, I was like, look, I'm just going to save up and like had what I call a quarter life crisis and just leave the country. So I kept the job to do that and learned all about this social media marketing and internet marketing from the platform side. Mm-hmm. And this, and it was incredible because I was like, oh, you can do this literally anywhere, but you cannot do it in another language. So my China dreams were kind of thrown out the window because now I'm like, I can't work on the internet in Mandarin. There's 40,000 characters. Like I'll never be able to do that. Yeah. So I continued on with the plan though. Anyway, I worked at the company and then I loved it. I was going to quit, but... My mom was like, don't quit. Just ask them, you know, 
if you can have this time off. And I was like, okay, well, that's not really what I said. I said, you're crazy. And then when I went to talk to my boss, I like choked. And I was like, I need some time off. <laughs> and he was like, how long? And I was like, uh, six to nine months. Up, they gave it to me. They actually gave me a stipend as well. They said, uh, if they fire someone that, or if someone leaves the company policies, you couldn't go back. So they gave me a stipend to like post some social media stuff for them Hello. while I was gone. Yeah. And then uh, I just sold everything I owned and headed to uh, Australia first. That's where I went. <laughs> and then uh, I did like a six, I think it was gone seven months, uh, backpacking trip through Southeast Asia, lived in a van, that whole and the whole time I was doing internet marketing and I was just like, this is great. Like much, such freedom at <laughs> your fingertips, you know? Yeah. And so when I came back, I had a newfound sort of purpose and direction that I think pushed me into what I've been doing now. So where did you go when you were in Australia? Uh, so we flew into, or I'm sorry, I went to New Zealand first. So I flew into Auckland and then we went from Auckland to Christchurch and back up. And then we went from Auckland to Melbourne, Australia, and we drove a van from uh, Melbourne to Perth. Or no, Cairns, I'm sorry. And then we, we flew to Perth. And we actually met my friend from Norway that had gone to college with me. It was the two of us. And then we met these two British girls in New Zealand, and they came with us the rest of the trip. So it's four girls. <laughs> like who barely knew each other, uh, living in a band. Yeah, it was great. It was really cool. And then we went, you know, we did uh, Indonesia and Cambodia, Singapore, Thailand. So we have some similar journeys here, which is interesting to me. So my brother went to UTS, which is University of Technology, Sydney. And when he graduated, my dad and I and my brother went on a trip in, in Sydney. Like we went all the way up the Gold Coast. Like we went and got a van and drove on the wrong side of the road and went just straight up the coast. And we went get, for about two weeks. Did you get speeding tickets? No, no, we didn't get any speeding tickets, but my dad did almost kill us. Oh, okay. <laughs> in the middle of the night, we were sleeping in the back of the van and my dad was driving and he was kind of dazing off. And then all of a sudden he realized, oh, damn, I'm on the wrong side of the road. Like as in thinking he was in the US and like, oh, uh -huh. snap, I think I'm on the wrong side of the road, which he was because we were in Australia and he was supposed uh -huh. to be on the wrong side of the road or other side of the road, not the wrong side. And he decides to go off the side of a mountain because he, he realized he thought he was going to kill us, which he kind of did. So almost did. And we didn't die, obviously, because I wouldn't have a podcast today. But right. we did go off. And I, I mean, you know, remember in the back, we were like hitting these rocks and I come jolting up and I'm like, what the hell just happened? My dad's like, I just, I kind of like came to and I realized I was on the wrong side of the road on, on the other yeah. side. Yeah, that's the way it's supposed to be. I know, but I just, just kind of caught me off guard. And I was like, oh my God. So, you know, you always have these fun stories when you travel. Um, well, it, Yeah. It is scary driving on the opposite side of the road. It took me, and they have all these roundabouts like on the freeway. Like it's yeah. really well, he took right. the mirrors out too. Like by the time we were done, there was no mirrors. Like we we had smoked both the mirrors on both sides. Really? Like, oh yeah, yeah. And so I, you know, there was a certain point where I was like, Dad, I don't know if you like, you know, you got to realize that we're going to be. We always have to be on the other side. And if you start to get a little tired, you got to let us know because if not, we're going to die. You're going to kill us. So yeah. we don't want that. Like we would never be able to finish a trip, and plus our family would be sad and everything if we were all dead. So we got to kind of, you know, just stay awake and try to realize where we're at. So, yeah, we, I had some good trips with my dad and my brother traveling. We've been to, my dad and my brother have been to Malaysia and Indonesia and all that. Yeah. I was just in Singapore. I mean, I've done a lot of international travel, which I don't even know if a lot of people know about me, but you're, you're kind of pulling these stories out of me. Yeah. As you're, about this. you're pretty sure like, oh, I went here, I went here. And then you're like, oh, and then I went here, and then I went here, and then I went here. And I picked up four girls here and did this and had that fun and did this. And I've got a lot of international friends because of the travels. And that's one thing that I always yeah. really miss. You know, it's like people you meet are just like phenomenal. 
Yeah, it's great. It's really nice to realize that everywhere, everybody, like people everywhere want essentially the same thing. And that's, you know, to uh, survive comfortably and be loved. And like everything else is just extra. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and and no matter what you look like or which, you know, everyone has their unique set of problems, but they all have to do with living comfortably and being loved. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. 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 And it's, it's so cool to have that perspective to, to, of, you know, understanding what it's like to just even experience what it, someone else's surroundings are, you know, and you can start to see from other, from other people's perspective. And it's, it's really a cool, it's great that you did it with your parents too. That's fun. Yeah. I've been, my dad and my mom, and we've, I mean, I used to, I went to school in Costa Rica. This was 20 something years ago now, once again, like as you bring up Paris Hilton, I'm thinking, you know, I was in school, college 20 years ago plus, but um, yeah. And it's, it is, I, I was, we did do a lot of traveling, a lot of international traveling. And that's something that I really, I think my world perspective is, is different than most, than most people that haven't traveled, obviously, because of what I've experienced and what I've seen. Um, and that's because of the countries that I've been to. And so I, you know, international travel, and I've, I've said this on past podcasts, like, you know, I'll go and do a keynote speech somewhere for a huge discount if it's a country I haven't been to because I just want to go there. You know, yeah. I'll go and do my thing. And then all of a sudden I've got, you know, three or four or five days or whatever, spend a week there, whatever that may be. But um, I, I do always have that travel bug of like, you know, going and trying new things. Now it's a little different than I was when I was backpacking when I was young, right? It's a little bit of a different yeah. experience. <laughs> That's true. Right. Now it's a little more, I don't know, not luxurious, but it, you know, it's just different for sure. But I, you know, I enjoyed that. I mean, I had a great time and it's just like you, just the, you know, I don't know, I guess just get other perspectives on, you know, the country's perspective on the U.S. and how we are and then the food and the culture. And, you know, there's just always great stories that happen from that. And it's just always, always a good time. So, you know, there's always crazy stories that you have and it, it all equals the foundation of where you're at today and, and what you've learned. So it's, I don't know, I really, really enjoy that kind of thing. It's, it's awesome that we're having this conversation. This is part of the reason why I have the podcast is because you never know, you know, you can look at people and be like, oh, you know, I wonder what they've done. And then you have this conversation like, God, oh, this is really cool. Like you, we've had some. <laughs> parallel experiences with that of like, you know, I mean, even now I'm a little, so I told Josie about you know, getting another RV and going and it's just little, just cause I want it, you know, it kind of sounds like fun. And, you know, it's like one of those things you're able to do it. You're doing digital marketing and you, you know, you're not bound by anything. As long as you have internet, you're all good. You know, Tony Shea lives in a, in a uh, camper van in the desert outside of Las Vegas. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so what, when someone I went to high school with is his like very good friend and personal assistant. And so they live like, they're like neighbors in a, a, like, a weird like, like <laughs> camper van area. And then, you know, because I think so letting go of the idea that you have, there's anything right or wrong or have to be done other than, you know, be kind to others. And like, you know, I mean? you yeah. know it's like, and when you hear about these stories where someone like you or someone like Tony Shade taking these adventures or doing doing something outside the box and because of it, you know, you have these unique careers or these unique stories and different paths that it's all because of those small choices that we make that get, you know, shift our perspective, getting in a camper van and driving across country, even if it's for three days, will change your perspective (laughs) on life for sure. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I think it's once again, this, this might be, you know, after this podcast, I might be on the road. I mean, it, it is one of those things that it's like, I just think it's, you know, people are like, cause I've talked to a few people about it and they're like, yeah, but you're married. And what about this? And what about that? I'm like, yeah, but what does that have to do with anything? 
Like I didn't say I'm going to go like, you know, be a bouncer at a brothel. Like, you know, I mean, that would be, right? that's probably not recommended, but I would think traveling where, where there's planes, my wife can come and visit and do it. You know, it's like, I'm, I think, it, you know, my wife's like, Hey, go, go have some fun, go do your thing. Like, it's no big deal. You know, she'll come out and visit and my mom or whoever will come visit. So it's interesting. It's interesting to hear that because your perspective is like mine where it's, it's kind of like, Hey, it's just kind of wherever it takes me. I look at like life is foundational and the, and you know, the only way you're going to build that strong foundation is by traveling and doing things and, I'm a big foodie as well. So once again, I know we're, we're halfway into this thing and as yeah. <laughs> we go into the marketing madness podcast, yeah. you know, it doesn't, we don't get into anything content wise or anything marketing wise until the second half. So we're, we're almost here. So tell us a little bit about, um, Bell plus Ivy. So you've had, how long have you had that agency for? So we are going on our third year now. Congrats. We weren't Bell. We, the name was uh, changed because I co-founder and I, we actually founded the, the company while another company. And so we were sort of, ex- <laughs> we were ex- like these executive roles at um, this public healthcare company that had, had acquired our company prior to that. And um, so we didn't have much time and we just kind of launched, it was like a landing page. And we just knew, all we knew is that we weren't where we were supposed to be. And that, um, and then we knew what we were good at and what we could accomplish and then how we worked together. Everything else was kind of like, we have to get through this next like hurdle, you know, contracts and whatnot. And so we launched this company and, uh, it was, uh, the name wasn't great. As you talk about changing the name of your podcast, it was a nightmare. So we had to rename it. So it's, We've actually been Bell and Ivy for about a year and a half, but the, the agency itself has been around for going on um, just over two and a half years. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. And you, um, and then what is your role at the company? You're a founder, co-founder? Co-founder. And then I operate as CEO. And then my co-founder is uh, president and COO. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. And what do you guys do? Like if you were to explain your agency, what is your, what's your, the core products and services you offer? Our core products are, we initially, we started as a personal brand development management agency for corporate executives and or employees. Our, our background is both in social media marketing and SEO. And so we saw a very clear need as far as authentic content creation, employee advocacy, just all around the how do you tell stories uh, that really, you know, explore on both a local and corporate level what's going on because that's the direction all of social media is going. It's like now, yeah. what is happening right now? And so we uh, developed what we have is uh, personal brands and then personnel brands. And on the personal brand side, we, we only work with companies that are um, – either utilizing their, you know, their sales teams, executives, uh, maybe it's the founder, you know, VCs, investor types. We, you know, help them achieve goals for their business, utilizing personal brands, uh, not just developing personal brands for the sake of having one. So we, we try to align everything we do with corporate goals. Then through that, we also manage SEO campaigns um, and those we do primarily with wealth management, uh, behavioral health care, insurance, the like not so sexy industries that really <laughs> need it. Um, and then in May of 2018, we actually acquired a PR agency. And so we have, we have full PR capabilities. But our goal and the, the companies that we work with tend to and are primarily focused on industries that are regulated to some extent online. So 
you have blockchain, cannabis, healthcare, insurance, uh, anything that takes a, a clear understanding of rules, regulations, and the fact that you're in an, a, an emerging market online or an emerging market in general, that things change very quickly and so does the strategy. And, and that we've, you know, that's been, it's been kind of our, our focus area. We don't, we don't typically work with uh, you know, the fun fashion brands or anything like that. <laughs> That's interesting. Cause it's like the, I mean, and for me, I, I think I'm like, I want to do the opposite of that. Like I, anybody, like if somebody comes to me and says, Oh, I work, you know, I'm, I'm a number one agent at, you know, New York life or something I'm like, Hey, can you help me? And I'm like, no, there's not much I can do for you. Cause I just know that it's like from a social media perspective, if they're going to put any content out, it's going to go to like nine attorneys, lawyers and it's going to be this. And then by the time we send it out, it's like, you know what? It's already lost the sizzle because we've taken everything out of it. And I'm not saying it's that way mm-hmm. with all of them, but I can see it's definitely a challenge in being in those industries. I mean, I've, I've dabbled in the cannabis industry and have some clients in the cannabis industry, but because it's just interesting here in California, but yeah, but that's interesting that you're doing, you go after, you know, kind of the, the markets and seeing from an SEO perspective that, that coin are, aren't as sexy, but at least it sounds like you've got a good little niche there for sure. Yeah. And also, you know, companies, as for, when it comes to the personnel branding, anybody has multiple locations we can work with, right? Um, but it's the, and it's corporate because what happens is that the story is lost. People go to work every single day and they sit next to other people and large companies, whether it's insurance or if it's e-commerce or what, these people have so much to offer and so much additional perspective that's really ever harnessed. And so even though the content itself might not be super interesting or let's say, you know, exciting or clickable, we look at it from a perspective of, is it useful? And is the person telling that story or the person, the people part of that story, are they interesting in some way? And kind of like figure out how to craft the message because how many people do you know that purchase insurance, not online? Like, yeah. you know, like, there's a lot of people looking for those things. And to, because industries like that have operated in the same way for so long that you having a basic understanding of the obstacles and then doing something slightly different, more interesting, more interesting with maybe a little bit more of the story and you know, being kept in mind that that makes all the difference if you're trying to compete. And so that's where I, I find it interesting is because I see, I look at something I'm like, well, what about, what about, I mean, most people don't have, don't work for companies that are super fun and cool. Like most people yeah, work yeah. for, for the, you know, and, but it doesn't necessarily take away from uh, what they're capable of. It's just never really been explored. And um, that, that's always been fun, fun for us. It started out though, as like, Pulling teeth. I was like, wait a second. You want me to do what? This is years ago when we first got in. I was like, all right, healthcare online. This sounds so boring. <laughs> yeah. But now, now it's just like, I love it. I think it's great. It's really yeah, interesting. It, it sounds like you, I mean, you're looking to disrupt things, but the thing is it doesn't even, I mean, that's the hard part is you're dealing with legacy, not legacy companies, but yeah. legacy industries that, that just don't, that haven't moved for so long, but that's where there's also the opportunity is that they haven't moved for so long, right? So if you start to make these little tweaks, which sometimes can be a nightmare to try to make, but once they start happening and they start seeing, hey, this is, oh, look, this is, we don't have to do this the same as it's my dad did it. And when he owned the company right now, we can kind of do some different changes and kind of change things up a little, loosen up a little bit. I think there's absolutely some some huge opportunity there. So it's kind of cool you guys took on, but I can only imagine in the early days. I mean, even now trying to get stuff approved and this, that, and the other and changing the way things have been done for God knows how long, it's always a challenge. 
Yeah. And also like my biggest question to companies that are like resist change, because what, what, when things change and they always change, right. Uh, one of two things happens. You either change with that and you, you survive, right. Or you don't and you don't survive. And why people choose to not survive is typically built on fear. And I always ask, what are you afraid of? Is there, are there skeletons in this company's closet? Because <laughs> yeah. then that's a whole other situation. And, you know, it's, it's uh, not uncommon, you know, for there to be in companies that have been around 150 years, like things that maybe scare them because it's uh, it, there's so much, they've been around for so long, you know? And most of the times the thing that they're afraid of isn't, could easily be addressed. But yeah, so it's, it's just looking at why some companies choose to not make those moves. Um, and then it, it's when that one player in the space does, everyone is either forced to or pushed out. Yeah, that's the thing. Nobody wants to be the you know, nobody wants to be the first person to go ask the girl to dance, right? It's like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. Somebody does like, oh, okay, it looks kind of fun. Wow, he's really having a great time out there. Really <laughs> have, right? And everybody wants to go jump yeah. on. So, um, it's hard to be that first mover. So, so tell us a little bit about your book platform. I know that that just came out. It came out this year, right? It came out this year. It came out in uh, February. Yep. Awesome. And so, give us a little background on that. Like, what did you what did you write the book platform for? So I had been exploring the idea of writing a, a book with this agent for a while. And she literally was so patient with me, but I was like, none of this feels like it's going to be the right thing to write about. You know, I mean, you're writing a book about the internet by the time it gets printed, it's outdated. And it was just mind blowing. <laughs> um, and so I, I couldn't figure out what specifically I wanted to talk about. And then I, when I was, involved in the side of that corporate company. It was kind of where the idea of, of personal branding came from and sort of what happens is, you know, you have lots of, in some situations, you have talkers, people that are talking about doing the job and then you have people that are doing the job mm-hmm. and the company's so big that checks and balances kind of, you know, go out the window in certain instances. And they just seemed like there was this group of people that capable of so much more than they were hired for yet everyone saw them as what they were hired for. Yeah. And I was in this unique perspective, per- position where, you know, they couldn't fire me and I couldn't quit. So I got to explore and <laughs> test a lot of things there. And I realized there was a gap um, is that you have this tool, the internet that uh, people are just giving away to three-year-olds without any real training at all. It's like, um, you know, handing the keys of the car over to a teenager who's never been to driver's ed. Yeah. And then, you have another generation of people that are like have had a job and maybe they lose it or they're trying to transition and they don't know how, because now everyone has to have the internet to do it. And it just seemed like personal learning was um, being used and delivered to, and the messaging was geared toward, um, you know, people that were trying to build these, you know, entrepreneurial careers or who are trying to, you know, have an audience of some sort or, and, and, and I, I felt like, there wasn't enough uh, discussion for the people who needed a personal brand, who knew, understood that the real people that are doing the work as to why they, they should be doing it and how, because they're all sitting there thinking it, right? Like you have all these people that are just like, Oh, I wish I could get the job. Why, why do they not know this about me? And it's because you're not saying anything. And it's like, Oh, well, we don't say anything because I don't want to be vain. And so the discussion is just like crushing this huge demographic. Yeah. Uh, and I wanted to reach those people. And I had had this conversation with this woman who was a national security advisor for uh, the Clintons, the Bushes, and then for Joe Biden. 
And she was talking to me and she was like, yeah, everything on TV is wrong and you've got people pushing this agenda and, you know, this one. And really you should talk to the careerist, which is someone like her, someone who works through both sides and understands kind of exactly what the threats are. And I said, well, why don't you volunteer? I mean, I'm sure people would want to talk to you. Yeah. Uh, And she said, oh, I can't. I'm a careerist. We don't do that. I was just like, okay, well, look, then I was like, I'm sorry, but if the world falls apart because of this, it's kind of your fault. (laughs) No pressure. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sorry, you took on the role and you want to complain about it and draw attention to it. And so she went and like, she was like, it, it resonated with her. It was like the flip of the idea, right? It's like why it could benefit other people for you to be doing this and why having a healthy amount of competition in the space is a good idea. And how, you know, if there were more experts addressing like the topic that they are, ex- their expertise is in and not, you know, one, like a technology expert blows my mind. They're apparently experts in all sorts of technology. <laughs> There's no way, you know, uh, and um, it would reduce a lot of, uh, this, you know, of the whole news issue and so on. So anyway, she's been on CNN and New York Times and she's all over the place now. And um, that was sort of met with working at the company. It's like, all right, there's got to be a different message out there. Uh, and I've had some of the most interesting conversations through, I did a, like a 30 minute brand exercise with people who created the book. And I've talked to, you know, IT guys at like the Wall Street Journal. And I've talked to, you know, uh, social media people at Walmart and like, I uh, just SAP and CIOs and like, just regular people who are, yeah, this makes sense because this person's getting the promotion or this person's on the panel or this guy's getting the board seats and he doesn't know what he's talking about. And it's just, a, you know, I wanted to just reach the, the people who thought it was vain to have a personal brand, but absolutely need one. <laughs> so, so you're, you're like, you like to go help the underdog, um, the people that don't know that they need a brand. You're going after like, you know, companies that you're like, well, we don't, we're not really going to change. You're like, no, you can change, buddy. And I'm going to help you change. This is what we're going to do for you. That's yeah, kinda- I just, you, you can't lose, you cannot lose hope in um, knowing that if you become really, really good at something that you can grow into that and become a voice for it and speak to it. And, you know, because what will happen is we're going to get a lot of lazy experts and a lot of lazy experts do not create a great future for us. Yeah. <laughs> and so there has to be a, there has to be competition and these people you know people like that want to compete people want to be recognized for what they've spent their entire life doing even if you say you don't want to be you know right. especially if you see someone who's not competent in that space doing it and speaking for everyone this happens a lot with women where you know you you're invited to these panels to make the call it the female quota and you're not an expert in whatever it is they're talking about. And you're like, why am I here? <laughs> I don't even know like, <laughs> what I do at all. And so it's just kind of bringing light to those people that can fill this, the roles. And, you know, especially when you have transition between jobs and all of that, like it's a mess. You know, the internet is difficult to navigate if you're coming into it desperate. 
Thanks. Yeah, 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 definitely. I think anything is when you come in desperate, right? Yeah, yeah. Everybody knows you're like, ooh, the guy that, you know, I always think of the analogy of like my, you know, old friends in college and stuff that would go to a club and you're like, dude, you just seem needy right now. Like there's nobody <laughs> come talk to you. You just seem like you're like, you know, you're messing yeah. up. The- yeah, yeah. You're making, you're kind of weird. Totally. Right That's too funny. So what would you say, like, we talk about personal brands and everything, like what would be like some of the factors that, to keep in mind when you're creating like content for your audience, right? So if you have, I mean, I guess obviously it you know depends on, on who you're creating the content for, but what are like some of the factors that you would keep in mind when creating content? Yeah, so the first thing is that content is, it, there's a variety of ways to deliver content. So looking at how much time you have and what are you comfortable with? Because there are people that I follow because I know that they're an expert in something and they share other people's content with their opinion of it. And I am like, that's great content because they chose that article. It's, it's steered me in a great direction. They have an opinion. I understand why they shared it. That is still content, right? Mm-hmm. Then there's the people that are writing content. And you know that if you're not a, naturally a writer, <laughs> it's like figuring out where your, your comfort zone is because if you're not comfortable doing it, it won't be good. And if it's not good, you're doing it for nothing. So, yeah. you know, uh, and then the second thing is if you're going to write content or create video or whatever, listen to when people ask you questions, write them down. And if you're, if you're hearing this, a question more than two or three times, it's probably a great topic to write about because yeah. it's clearly not being addressed. So, much. so feedback and really listening is, I think, a key component and just not overthinking it too much you know like don't make it like you know if you if someone if you get asked the question three times you're like this is a great topic and then you take three years to write about it probably not going to be very useful at that point yeah, yeah. So you, gotta, you gotta relax and do it and just get it out there <laughs> and i think that's the thing too is that it's like you know you have to you know we do that a lot of times with content that really comes down people are asking those questions and obviously that's what people want to know about right you can't ignore that like the idea is, is like you go and answer this question or if you know your customer service and you have the same things answered or questions that are that come to you all the time like why don't you create a piece of content or a video or something to take care of that like we know there's a certain issue with this product because people can't do this mm-hmm. well then you got to figure out the solution right like it doesn't if you listen and i think listening is a key part in relationships and i mean in anything you do right if you're really listening to what your wife or husband or you know, customer or whatever saying, there's value there. I mean, people will usually tell you what's going on for the most part. You can get a good idea if you just listen, but most people don't, right? Or they're at least act like they're listening and they're not really taking it in. So I think that is interesting when it comes to the content and strategy of like, hey, like a lot of this, I mean, that's why Quora became so big was because it was a lot of people asking questions and you can go and look and you can say, hey, there seems to be a lot of people asking this specific question. Like, why wouldn't I write a piece of content about that? Right. Because now I know what the people want. Right. And obviously there's other ways, you know, Google and searches and keywords and stuff. You can kind of figure out what people are looking for. But I think that's interesting for sure. Yeah. And also just remember that, like, it blows my mind to this day. Um, so our when that live stream company from you know way back when yeah. our logo was a, a, like our mascot guy was a lurker because so many people were just lurking online, not doing any action, not writing blogs, not producing content. They're just lurking around reading it, right? And that percentage has like not shifted very much. It's yeah. still like 90% of the internet or something is like lurking. Yeah. And so it, people will say, well, I put this content out and it's got you know 3,000 views on LinkedIn. And, but I just don't know if people are engaged. I'm like, well, did you ask them to like, you know, put a little question at the end? 
watch how many people will respond because they're lurkers. They need to be tagged. They need to be told yeah. what you're yeah. looking for. You know, yeah. if they're reading content by you, you're being seen as an expert, as someone of an authority figure. And it, you know, we've all been in the classroom where no one will raise their hand. It's the same thing. It's just online. Yeah. <laughs> you know? it, what were the numbers? It is something like, it was like 99 and one. It was like 90% yes. are lurkers, 9% will something like not engage and then 1% will comment. It was something like that. I remember mm -hmm. hearing that. It was like this very low, you know, so most people are just lurkers and you're talking about some kind of call to action or telling mm -hmm. somebody to do something or saying, hey, that's where you write a blog post or whatever in the NA, write your comments below or tell me how you feel about this or something like that, right? Now you're getting mm -hmm. the lurkers to feel, you know, more comfortable with, with um, less lurking and maybe more conversation potentially. Yes, and like uh, example, I Vine, all right, so I was like a little too old to be cool on Vine, right? So I had to, but I was like very interested in Vine and I built, um, I had about 600,000 followers and all I would do is on my way to Starbucks in the drive-through line every day, I would ask a question and called it question of the day and it'd be like DC or Marvel, this or this. People would drop so many comments. Like it was just comment crazy, just a simple tiny question. But if I had gone on a rant about why, you know, I thought one, you know, was better than the other, the only comments I would have gotten would have been negative <laughs> if someone disagreed and there would be very few of them. So, you know, having like that, you know, the, the content involving some sort of like action to it, right? Where there's, is not just discussion from your perspective, but, you know, taking pieces of it and making it uh, you know, a conversation. People, if you tell them how and what you're expecting, we'll give it to you. But if you don't, it just fall. It'll just fall flat because the you know you're not a mind reader. You're not inside your head when you're when you're writing the content. So, um, just clarity in what you're expecting is a game changer. Yeah, that's interesting. So you had about six hundred thousand on Vine, and that was just literally from asking questions. Yeah, that's all I did. Is I just asked questions because then you know, like Coke or Pepsi. And then I could take that and I could share it out on Twitter and talk with the people that I knew in marketing and discuss what they thought of the results. And so it became like, you know, because it was a bunch of like tweens. They're all like 14. Yeah. Well, you know, what's yeah. funny about that is, and I talked about this in one of my past podcasts was that they tested this at like restaurants. So I used to be in the restaurant and I used to own a bar and some other, this is a, another oh, place. We are very similar. Like, yeah. I didn't own one. I wanted to go on. <laughs> I owned a bar in Chico, California, which is where Sierra Nevada came from. The brewery uh -huh. which is a whole nother conversation. That would be a whole nother hour conversation. But it's funny, they would, what they would do is they would put out things for their tip jar and they would put Coke or Pepsi. And then what you would do is you'd put your dollar in on the one that you liked, mm -hmm. right? People so would be like, and so what it was was less about, hey, give me a tip. But it was like, hey, what do you like? Are you a, you know, are you a, a shark or a jet? You know, when it comes to a show or whatever that is, right? It's like, oh, are you this or you that? And people were like, oh, Cindy Lauper or, you know, whatever, Samantha Fox. And you're like, oh, Samantha Fox. And so you put a dollar in there. And that's kind of interesting that people would think of, you know, like, oh, what do you like more? And it was less about, you know, the tipping and more about the fact that you're putting something in supporting the, your favorite singer or whatever that was. So it's interesting the psychology behind that, like how that, how that whole thing works. Yes. And understanding, I guess, too, like the, the audience, right. It's like, um, it's <laughs> like in that situation, you don't know who's going to drop a tip in. You your expectation is to get a tip that was creative. They wanted to do it. That's the same way I felt with, you know, teenagers on Vine. I was like, if I try to be cool, they're going to destroy me. <laughs> <laughs> I had, like watch some other people get pretty. I was like, so I'm not going to even, I'm not even going to try to be cool. <laughs> I'm just going to be this other thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the awareness is important. 
That's interesting. So what would be, so, and obviously I know you've got a nice, you got a healthy little following on Twitter too. How did, how did you grow those types of followings? I mean, what do you, what do you do to get 1.7 million followers on Twitter? So with um, Twitter, I used to host Twitter chats all the time, like uh, all the time. And it's crazy because again, it goes back to the like engagement part is I would ask a question or, and other people would answer it. And then I became the expert. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah when you provide a space where people can communicate and have community and you're sort of the curator of that, that's what going back to like, if you share someone else's content and have a perspective on it and actually have read it can have just as much of an impact as writing your own content. If there's consistency in what you're talking about and we understand why you would be an expert. And so like the, the same goes with creating a, a place where people can discuss and learn about things together because it's, if it's all from me, I mean, I, I only able to, to bring in my perspective, but I can deliver a question and have it response next to people that do seven other things. And now you have a well-rounded conversation, right? People are getting something in return for being involved. And, you know, that's the, what's missed a lot with this whole idea of personal branding and getting followers. It's like, but what is, what is the audience getting out of it? right? Like, why would you follow you? Like, you have to ask yourself, like, would you, why would you follow yourself? What specifically are you trying to, you know, not everyone gets to be, you know, the Kim Kardashians of the world or like an, an Oprah, and even Oprah, like she provides amazing content, <laughs> you know, she, people understand. So, so yeah, it just was all done through conversation. A lot of conversations going through. Yeah. Literally since 2009. So how, I mean, you just, I can imagine you probably put up a pretty, pretty sick conversation when it comes to texting. How are your thumbs pretty big from all that? I mean, you like you work out your thumbs or what, from Twitter that many conversations <laughs> on Twitter. I can imagine that they're pretty strong. Yeah, no, yeah, they're pretty good actually. You know, the other part of it too is like you start to you start partnering with other people. If you really goal focused, you're like, all right, who am I trying to work with? All right, so like I want to like maybe I want to write a book. Well, if you have a decent profile and everything's set up and your story is being told go and following people that are agents or editors or whatever is you're not putting your brand directly in front of them. You message for that person and you start building relationships and it kind of just keeps evolving yeah. over time and it doesn't happen overnight. And if it does, it's, you know, it's not always, well, it's, yeah, it's just people should understand like anything worth having is worth working for. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. no, I agree with that. I think that's the thing we, we get in a, in a community where people that want things quicker and faster. And the same thing like in the influencer space, how people go, I want to be an influencer. And I'm like, all right, well, what's your profile? And I'll look and I'm, when did you start your profile? She's like three weeks ago. And I'm like, so we're going to do this thing. That's a little game called patience. And I want you to go do these 10 things and come back to me in six months. Like, what do you mean? But I want to be an influencer. I'm like, I, I know, but you're the problem is, is you're seeing the pink poodle with the caviar and the private jet. That, that, that's like, that's level two and you're at level one. Actually, it's probably level 20 and you're at level one. So we got to kind of work this thing out here a little bit. Yeah. You know, so there's <laughs> things that need to happen before you get the pink poodle. Okay. And, so. and, and also like be wary of setting the expectation of your lifestyle higher than you can actually live because yeah. it causes people serious anxiety because you know what I mean? And they're like, Oh my gosh, everyone in my life thinks that I roll around in a private jet on the regular. And now I have to live up to this. And it's like, no, you don't. You should yeah, just be honest like, about what. <laughs> and it's like, why do you, and why do you want that anyways? Like why? I mean, cause another thing is too, is that a lot of influencers and in that I hear people 
always go, oh, poor influencers. But it's like once you once you have that, like when people look at you that way, then you have to continuously be that way, right? It has to be like that. And if not, then you've fallen off the map. So you're like constantly faking it or, you know what I'm saying? I don't know. It becomes a really unauthentic type of like situation where you're trying to keep up with that. But so we're, I got a few more good questions for you here. And we've we've had a great conversation. So one of them is like, what are three tools like apps or software that you couldn't live without? Like, I mean, obviously I think Twitter is probably on there because you're a Twitter hound, right? You're like a Twitter queen. So what are some other stuff? What are other softwares? I really like Flipboard. Okay. Because that's a great place to filter and digest content. I would say Slack is probably up there. <laughs> yeah. Grammarly. I couldn't live without Grammarly. Yeah. Actually, yeah. most people would lose respect for me if I didn't have Grammarly. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how I made it that far without it, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I think Grammarly <laughs> lost money on me too. They're like, I don't know how we lost money on this, but for somehow Shane, <laughs> yes. a little more than what we expected. So we didn't break even on him. Um, yeah. I am that person. Grammarly like looks at me and just, I think Grammarly secretly behind the scenes just shakes its head like, God damn it, why are, here we go again. Yeah, I, I know. Just they like knowing how. <laughs> easier. We just talk to each other. Um, cool. So what do you think? Like, as we're, I mean, we're, like I said, as we're winding down on this thing, I'm going to kind of jump down. Do you have any, let me ask you this. So obviously you have your book that came out platform. Mm-hmm. Do you have any other interesting or exciting projects you're working on? Uh, yeah. So we're working on, we're currently working on um, a team. So we just was in Italy doing a personal branding workshop for sales teams. Yeah. So that's something that's really, um, that's really exciting. I was in Vegas. I was, I did it for uh for executives and the, really the goal and the message here is, is how do you look at each individual brick and mortar store, both digitally and offline as, and manage it as its own entity so that you can keep content um, authentic. And a lot of that is going to be done through. So we're, you know, working on uh, piecing and packaging together, sort of a model where, we explore digital marketing and personal branding for large corporate companies, even at a global scale. So with the one in Italy, you know, they, they actually tr- hire um, sales teams for, there was a consulting firm. So it was like uh, sales teams and HR teams are outsourced basically, but they go in for like six to nine months, like long projects. And, uh, and so these are the great people to kind of carry that message into a company. We can't be everywhere. And that's exciting. I like that. That's kind of my jam. So uh, as we expand and uh, get some interesting case studies out of it, you know, I'll share with you. But that's awesome. So that's really cool. Yeah, we're working on. We've got something that we're doing, like workshops for brands, just on the influencer side, and how to work with influencers. That's. But you and I have a lot of parallels. So it's funny you guys are doing workshops like that because that's kind of cool. We're looking to to do. We did one in San Francisco about a, two months ago. Now we had some good brands that were there on how to work with influencers and how to negotiate and all that fun stuff. So it's kind of cool when you work with the bigger brands. It's kind of uh, interesting. It's kind of it's actually kind of scary on how many of them don't know what they're doing. Which is, and I think you're probably seeing that as well, right? There's a huge need for it. So you're like, all right, I got to have these workshops and make a bigger impact, right? Get more people there because it's like. Well, yeah. And it's good too, because I think we, we talk about a lot of the same things, but differently. So it's like, how do you work with influencers? And we're coming from a perspective of like, how do you create that? You know, and it's not necessarily an influencer that we want. Like it's the same kind of thinking. It's just within the organization, but it's funny because people, companies will trust influencers more so than they'll trust their employees. And I'm yeah. like, why, why did you hire this person? <laughs> 
So, but the message is very, very much, you know, it's the same. It's just less uh, like, you know, you create one contract for life basically. Whereas with the influencers, you got to keep this different variations. But yeah, the, the workshop stuff is, is always, is you never know who you're, who's in the room. So it's always an interesting experience. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it always, yeah, it's, it's all kind of like you have a certain, you know, your content, but then you have other people that are asking other things. You're like, oh, I'll go to the left a little bit, go to the right a little bit. It's all good. Mm-hmm. For, I really enjoy this interview because your background just like you, you were, I don't know, just like the things you've done is always really intriguing to me, but tell us like, what would your, what was an idea of a perfect day for you? Like what would be, if you could do anything, what would be the perfect day for you? So I would wake up at like 1130. <laughs> I would already have a Starbucks or some form of coffee. Uh-huh. And then I would walk my dog to the beach <laughs> and we would sit there for a while and he could run off leash without the patrol guys stopping me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Then we would uh, go back and, you know, barbecue or something and hang out. Maybe have my brother and sisters over. Yeah. I mean, I'm not like super complicated. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that would be pretty solid. That's really what it is. It's like I get to sleep in and not have to worry about my dog being on the beach and then being able to like make food and laugh with people that I, that I love. This is really it. Requests, just simple requests on your set. I like that. Yeah. Funny, the sleep in thing. I, I like, I can't sleep in. Like I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, I've never tried to fully drug myself to sleep in, but I don't, I can't like I, anything past 6am is like a win. Like I'm like, Oh snap. It's 608. I'm I look around like, man, I just, this is awesome. I'm like, I feel like I'm behind at that point. Like I'm like, damn, Because like usually in the morning I'll go and do my walks and I got my dogs and all that fun stuff. We're not on beaches and, you know, going yeah. after, you know, people in patrol or anything like that that are coming after my dogs. But um, it's a little bit of a simpler life. But yeah, that's that's awesome. I, mean, I, I like that. So let me let me flip this on the other side of things. And let's say if I was to give you a winning lottery ticket or you were to win, actually I'll give it to you because you seem like a very nice person. And I'd be willing to give you a $10 oh, million dollar lottery ticket because of the relationship we have now. Mm-hmm. What would you do with that money? What would you, what would you be, what would you do with it? Well, the first thing I do is I'd hire an estate <laughs> planner. That's what I would do. Uh, I would definitely find someone who knew what to do. And um, I would make some investments. I would invest in Beyond Meat. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that or not. I don't have any like inside information, but I think that Beyond Meat is going to do really well. Yeah. Um, I would make some investments and probably, I mean, I'm not, I'm not like one of those people who's superstitious. Yeah. But there is a weird running track record with people who won the lottery. I don't know about people who've been gifted the lottery. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, like, so I probably just like hide it away, wait for the government to come and take most of it or something. And then when yeah. that was over, I'd be like, okay, I feel safe now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's good. Well, I mean, that's good. Between, <laughs> between Beyond Meat and the SEC and, and now and now with that, I mean, they're, they're going to come get you. So yeah. this, <laughs> this is what breaks my heart because of the connection we had. I thought for sure you would have given me like five million. I mean, I just gave you ten million. Like, what happened? Oh I, yeah, 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 totally. But I, I would wait until the government took theirs because I can't gift that much, right? So we'd have to uh, we'd have to work together. We'd probably want to work together in Nevada though because uh, we could save fourteen percent off the top. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> we're saving some money. Okay, so we, we'd be best friends. <laughs> as best friends and then we'll split up the cash and save on on taxes and stuff and say and then we would we would save lots of dogs i guess we'd have to i love dogs so that would yeah, be cool so you, you've got a I'll, we'll have to exchange dog pictures because my dogs are uh, we have two rescues and and, and I, I i almost went this is the last of this this absolutely amazing podcast i actually went to go volunteer here in sacramento at some 
And I was like, I can't do it. Only reason I can't do it is because I would probably bring a dog home a day. Like that's, we figured out that I would have to buy a farm or something to bring all that. Cause I, I, how, how do you say no? How do you look a dog in the eyes? Like, Hey, tomorrow might be your last day, buddy. Like, Hey, just, you know, stick in there. Maybe tomorrow you'll find somebody like, I just can't, like, I just don't yeah. understand that. Yeah. That oh, yeah. I, I got tricked by one of those Instagram of the dogs going to be put down and like drove like across town to save this dog. And the guy was like, you're like, the, like the 150th person here today. The dog, we, this is actually a no kill shelter. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> you're like, um, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna drive three hours yeah. home now. <laughs> I know, no big deal. I've got plenty of time to think about this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so I, I am looking forward to starting a, a some kind of a farm with you in in Nevada after we get the ten million. So that is kind of cool. We've got some future plans, so we can stay in touch. So if anybody wanted to get in contact with you, it sounds like Twitter's kind of a hot spot for you, right? Answer any questions, fun stuff like that. anything else. Where else can they find out about uh, either the business or you personally? So me personally, it's. Uh, it's at Cynthia Live on uh, Instagram and Twitter. And then it's Cynthia at CynthiaLive.com. It's my email. CynthiaLive.com is my website. And then BellIvy.com is our website and uh, at BellIvy Inc. Uh, in most social media channels. And then also we're, we have a, an office in Santa Monica and another office in Las Vegas. So if you are local to either of those places, you know, shoot us an email, come by and meet the team. We're always open for that. So <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, we're going to have to probably after this, I'll have to keep in touch with you because I do want to see pictures of your dog. That's first and foremost. Yeah, absolutely. Probably have to talk about the cannabis space because I've got some interesting stuff going on there as I think you might as well. So maybe we'll oh, make some connections as well. Yeah. Should that be sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, hey, thank you so much for doing the interview today. I do appreciate it. Sorry, we couldn't do the video thing. I know the internet was getting a little funny. Either that, it's the government already knowing that the money's coming. And so they're like, I, look, I'm a big believer in paying taxes. I just, yeah, I get yeah. nervous that I'm not going to for some reason. Like, it's like a weird fear. <laughs> I hear you. I, I don't think anybody's going to come and get you after this. I mean, yeah. if you want to buy this recording back from me, that's cool too. Like, however, we need to cover this up. Like, I'm here to help you in Nevada or whatever. We'll get rid of all these tapes. And Okay, thanks. <laughs> uh, okay, well, we'll be chatting here soon. Thank you so much once again for the interview. Awesome. Thank you. Have a great right. day. Yeah, you too. Right. Bye-bye.